What do we call this? If it's not election day, of course, that's October 21st, but the writ has officially dropped day. How about that? Uh, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, no longer officially the uh, country's Prime Minister after he visited uh, Rideau Hall, asked the Governor General to dissolve Parliament, and uh, we are off to the races. We are uh, underway here, day one of the 2019 electoral campaign. The federal election is underway. And they've unveiled the buses, uh, their planes, as we were uh, kind of uh, having some fun with uh, last hour. The uh, conservatives also have their own theme song as well. And uh, we're getting ready for the treasure trove of uh, promises. I think that's the next thing to come. Now that we've had the campaign themes and the buses and the planes all uh, unveiled, here come all the promises, of course, that the uh, parties uh, will make uh, trying to uh, get your vote, to swear your vote. Uh, whether or not uh, any of those will come true or not, uh, well, we will uh, find out in the uh, coming uh, months and uh, years. But we want to talk a bit about the election itself and the uh, process with our friend uh, Dave Meslin. He, of course, is a community activist and the author of Teardown, Rebuilding Democracy from the Ground Up. And he joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dave, good afternoon. Pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, first off, I wanted to ask you about uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, last election, Dave, as you well know, and so many others do, he promised electoral reform. That did not happen. Uh, he was a proponent. Trudeau was a proportional representation. Uh, are you disappointed as somebody who looks at uh, the electoral procedure and elections in general? Are you disappointed that that did not go forward? Yeah, of course. And I, I think the mistake that the liberals made is they, they promised to get rid of the old system. His infamous line was, let's make this the last election ever under first-past-the-post uh, last time around. But they didn't actually say which system they wanted to replace it with. And so then once they, um, once they formed government and took power, they realized, how, how are we supposed to pick a new system? There's a lots of disagreements. They created an all-party committee, which couldn't really agree on much, um, and he ended up dropping the whole thing, um, which is a shame because the system we're using right now, not only is it obscure and unfair, it's not even a system that the parties themselves use to choose their own leaders. I think that says a lot. Yeah, they use, the, they use I'm sorry, the rank ballot system to choose leaders, right? That's right. So if you think of when Andrew Scheer went through his leadership race, he was actually in second place uh, on the first count. Maxine Bernier had more votes than Sheer, but neither of them had over 30%. So what they do in a leadership race is they say, well, let's drop the candidate with the least votes and see who the second choice is for all of that person's supporters. And they keep doing that until someone wins. Sheer didn't actually win until the 13th round. And that system has a lot of benefits. It creates more civility because you're not only looking for first choices, but you want your opponent's supporters to at least like you enough to rank you second. So if you attack your opponents too much, you're losing those second choices and third choices. Um, it also, most importantly, gives you a leader that most people in the party actually support. And it's a shame that we don't, that you and I won't be able to do that when we vote in October. We could easily end up with a government, liberal or conservative, uh, that most Canadians actually didn't vote for. Yeah, is that the biggest advantage uh, to the ranked ballot system, that uh, it's a government that uh, the majority of people actually did vote for? And to your other point as well, I think it's pretty interesting, Dave. Do you think uh, in a ranked ballot system that that would be a bit of a uh, cure, if you will, for the, uh, I don't know, politics of antagonism that we see right now, that there's really a lack of civility? Yeah, I think it would create more positive messages rather than negative. But most importantly, 
you and I and every other Canadian could vote with our hearts. A lot of us end up voting strategically because, let's be honest, it's either going to be liberal or conservative. So if, by chance, you happen to support the NDP or the Greens or the rhinoceros party, whatever, or you're in a riding where your party of choice doesn't have a chance, including liberal or conservative, a lot of people just hold their nose and vote for either the closest to their values or the party that's most likely to beat the one that they hate. With a ranked ballot, you can put your first choice first. Like I said, Rhinoceros Party, the Green Party, um, Maxime Bernier's party, whatever you want. And if that party can't win, your ballot will still count. Your second choice will kick in. If that person can't win, your third choice kicks in. So all of us could be a little more honest at the ballot box and vote with our hearts instead of our calculators. Do you think, Dave, that that system, the ranked ballot system, is a little too confusing for most Canadians? And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to put anybody uh, down here, but I just think uh, most Canadians have, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, a passing interest, uh, particularly in politics. A lot of people have been turned off due to the lack of civility. And I want to get into participation rates with you here in just a second. But, uh, you know, half of us don't even show up to the polls. So if we institute something like the ranked ballot system, is that just too confusing, cumbersome uh, for people to follow. Well, the interesting thing about a ranked ballot is you don't have to rank. If you want to just pick one person like we do now, you're totally able to do that. London City Council in Ontario switched to ranked ballots last year, and they're actually the first government in Canada to ditch first-past-the-post, and it went really well, and everything went smoothly, and the vast majority of voters did rank. So the question really is, do people know how to count to three? And I think the answer is absolutely (laughs) yes. All right, let's move on to uh, participation rates, uh, because as we know, uh, at best, usually only half of us uh, vote. Uh, What do you think we can do to to get that up, to get citizenry uh, more engaged? I think this also connects back to voting systems. So the the systems that are even better than a ranked ballot are the ones that give you some kind of proportional outcome. And what that means is very simple. It means if 10% of the country votes, let's say, green, then 10% of the House of Commons is green, which is 33 seats. Um, Right now, the Greens often get, let's say, 5% and only get one or two seats. I think if we had a proportional system, which, by the way, is the most common voting system used anywhere in the Western world, we would see new parties start up. And I think that would attract a lot of people who've been turned off by the kind of stale, boring, um, repetitive Um, narrative of an election where it's going to be red or it's going to be blue. Let's be honest. There's been two parties trading power back and forth for 150 years. It's actually kind of boring. And we live in a world now where from music to movies to clothing to food, we expect to have choice. And I think we should look at the degree to which our current voting system is really pushing us towards an American-style two-party system. I think people want to have more options, and I think that would increase voter turnout. Is there an argument also to be made that if the House of Commons was truly representative of uh, the way Canadians uh, voted uh, proportionally, that we might get better policy as well with uh, different voices in there? Yeah, what you see in most European countries that do have proportional systems is they end up forming um, stable coalition governments where three or four parties actually have to sit down, talk to each other, listen to each other, make compromises. Yes, it's messy. Yes, sometimes it takes weeks or months for those negotiations to happen, but it's totally worth it. And what we're going to get is likely um, either a minority or a majority government that will act kind of like a, a dictator, 
uh, especially if it's a majority government, uh, you'll have one leader. Um, the parties themselves have become very centralized in Canada, so all the decisions are made out of the leader's office. So instead of having 338 adults paid in the House of Commons to listen to each other and talk to each other, we're going to have Sheer or Trudeau and their advisors making all the decisions on our behalf for the next four years. And I think that's a shame. Joined by Dave Meslin, he's the author of Teardown, Rebuilding Democracy from the Ground Up. You know, I started this off in the preamble talking about all the promises that we're going to hear uh, today and uh, through the next uh, few weeks uh, from all of the political parties and all the political leaders. Is that part of the problem as well when it comes to participation rates, do you think, Dave, that uh, we're so used to hearing these promises, uh, much like the promised electoral reform, and they never come to fruition, they never come true, that people just don't believe what they're hearing anymore from their leaders? It definitely doesn't help when promises are broken, and we could point to lots of examples um, of that happening. You know, the promises I would like to see, I would love to see the party leaders talking about how they're going to fix the way government works. You know, if you watch Question Period, any sane adults would, would, would look at that and just shake their head with embarrassment. The way the MPs attack each other and heckle each other. You know, we've really devolved our democratic culture into a state that I think is embarrassing to all of us. So uh, if they're going to start making promises, I'm more interested in promises about how to fix government, how to fix democracy, how to fix politics, rather than whether they're going to raise or lower taxes or have a carbon tax or not. I think I think we need to look at the, the inner guts of the system and get creative and try and make politics work a little better so it's more meaningful for all of us. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and I think maybe you just answered the question there, what it is you're really going to be uh, looking for here in the 29 uh, campaign? Because uh, the major issue is obviously, I mean, they're the same old, same old. It's uh, the economy, uh, health care, uh, probably climate change, immigration uh, as well. But uh, that's what you really want to hear is uh, from a party that's really looking at things differently and wanting to kind of shake it up? Absolutely. I mean... We've been using the same political system and traditions for uh, one and a half centuries, and I'm looking for leaders who have the guts to say, you know what, maybe it's not working. Maybe the House of Commons is an embarrassment. Maybe our voting system should be revised. And I would love to see some creative ideas around that, because I think think cynicism and frustration is growing, and I think people – I, I understand where they're coming from. You know, I have a lot of empathy for, for people who don't trust the system. So why don't we fix it? Why don't we figure out what's making us so frustrated and try and fix those problems? And just finally, uh, Dave, uh, do you think that this will ever change? Because the old argument is uh, whoever is in and can change this, well, they're the benefactors of the uh, current system. Uh, they won the last election. So why would they change things? It's true. Um, that, that, that is the general rule. Once you're in office, why would you, why would you tinker with the system that got you there? Um, luckily, there's lots of evidence of countries all around the world who, through various processes of referendums or citizens' assemblies, um, law commissions, whatever, have changed their voting system. New Zealand did it. You know, countries that adopted the British model, just like we did, many of them have abandoned it. Um, Australia uses uh, a ranked ballot in both of their houses, um, one in a proportional way, one in a majority way. Um, and British Columbia, when they had their first referendum on voting reform uh, in 2005, 58% voted yes. Um, but the threshold had been set at 60, um, so technically it lost. But it showed that, that a, a large part of the population there, at least at that time, was ready for change. And as I said, London City Council, right here in Ontario, they've ditched first past the post. And on the same day that they held that election, Kingston and Cambridge both held 
referendums, and the voters in those cities voted yes in favor of ranked ballots. So there is change happening, and hopefully it'll it'll sweep up into the provincial and federal levels as well. Dave Meslin, again, his book is Tear Down, Rebuilding Democracy from the Ground Up. If you haven't picked up a copy and read it yet, uh, probably with an election underway, it uh, might be some good reading in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, Dave, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Take care.